Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, August 22nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show are changes ahead for the state's poultry farmers. We'll hear what they're asking the Agriculture and Commerce Department to consider. That's the worst thing we can be doing is hindering our people who farm more naturally from getting their, their market, their products to market, and that's what we've been doing in the state of Mississippi. Then, with a special session on the horizon, some are wondering if the state can afford it. Find out why. And after a health minute, we'll hear from the Secretary of State on the safety of Mississippi's ballots and and his efforts with the state's future voters. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A state Senate committee is joining local chefs and farmers in an effort to convince the Agriculture Department to change inspection rules. The United States Department of Agriculture allows small farmers to produce up to 20,000 chickens a year without the same inspection process as larger farms. But Mississippi law has stricter limits. Now the Senate Agriculture Committee is asking the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce to make changes. Republican Senator Angela Hill of Marion County is on the Agriculture Committee. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood more about what they're asking. This meeting was held because we want Mississippi Department of Agriculture to recognize the USDA exemptions for small poultry producers that were put in the federal code back in the late 60s and that have been in Mississippi code for some time. Um, The problem is the regulations at the Department of Agriculture and Commerce don't match the federal exemptions. Um, They're not allowing our small producers to do 20,000 birds a year. They're limiting them to 1,000. They're not letting them sell to retail outlets. the restaurants, the chefs that you saw here today, um, hotels. We want our chefs to be able to buy these products just like in the other states, like 40 other states recognize the USDA exemptions. And we want Mississippi to thrive and prosper and have these products available to customers just like the other states. It's not reinventing the wheel. We're just asking Mississippi to recognize what the USDA says is okay. If it's okay for the USDA and it's okay for 40 other states, it ought to be okay for Mississippi. And why is that so important for Mississippi? It's very important. Mississippi is the least healthy state in the nation on on every indicator that you see. Okay, so we shouldn't be putting barriers um, for locally sourced produced food. 
Um, that's the worst thing we could be doing is hindering our people who farm more naturally from getting their, their market, their products to market. And that's what we've been doing in the state of Mississippi. And we've got, you know, farmers who really want to do this. The demand is there. We've got major grocery store chains, high-end grocery stores that want to buy these products. We've got these celebrity chefs that want these products. If these celebrity chefs are willing to serve these products in their restaurants, that ought to be a clue that the government should get out of the way and these regulations should be removed and we ought to obey state law that says we've adopted the exemptions. So there wasn't a decision made today by the, the committee, but what do you expect to happen next and going forward? Well, I hope that the committee, the, the Agriculture Commissioner and the department will just go ahead and move the regulations to... Um, to match what the USDA exemptions say that we can do. I think adopting North Carolina's model that's, what, three pages long? Um, that's all we need. If it's good enough for a 1,000 farms in North Carolina, then why is it not good enough for five or six poultry farmers in Mississippi to grow their farms and grow their business? Senator Angela Hill with MPB's Ashley Norwood. Agriculture Commissioner Andy Gibson says he is aware of the issue. Since I was sworn in April 2nd as commissioner, I've been traveling the state visiting with farmers and landowners and learning as much as I possibly can. This is an issue that has come up on the on the farm tour and in fact Mr. Simmons farm I had a chance to visit back in uh, May I believe or June and reading the regulations, studying them, trying to come up with the answer. I know the committee didn't have the answer today, a lot of questions and I'm studying and learning and taking all this information under advisement to see where we need to go, what direction. Commissioner Gibson says he will make a decision after he hears from all sides. I think one theme that pretty much everybody can agree on here today is clarification. We need a, a simpler understanding on what the steps are to comply and what the program should be. Uh, I want to look at what other states have done. And again, before I make any knee-jerk reactions, I'm going to consider everybody's viewpoint. We'll, we'll take a look at it. And whether a bill is needed or not, we can we can figure that out hopefully before the first of the year, before session rolls around. State Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner Andy Gibson. Coming up with a special session on the horizon, some are wondering if the state can afford it. Find out why. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. In Texas, Republican Senator Ted Cruz is facing a strong challenge from Democrat Beto O'Rourke, who was just videotaped skateboarding on the campaign trail. All right, everybody share this. Beto O'Rourke is on a skateboard in a Whataburger parking lot. I don't know if it gets more Beto. You got to share this. Our broadcast from Austin continues next time on Here and Now. Tomorrow at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant is issuing the official document to call lawmakers to Jackson tomorrow to discuss money for roads and bridges. The plan includes diverting taxes on Internet sales to cities and counties, creating a state lottery with proceeds earmarked for roads and bridges, using proceeds from a tax on sports betting and borrowing up to $300 million. The governor's call, May Tuesday, doesn't currently ask lawmakers to divide $700 million in oil spill damages from BP, though a spokesman tells the Associated Press that could be added later. Some question if the state can afford the proposed changes. State economist Darren Webb tells MPB's Ezra Wall, the state economy, like the national economy, is growing, but its pace could be affected. 
the growth rate in the second quarter was very strong, 4.1%. That's the second quarter over the first quarter. So that's a really good positive growth level, uh, probably the strongest we've seen since probably 2014 quarterly growth. Uh, and, and we're looking at the national growth for the calendar year of 2018 to be you know, probably about 2.9%, just under 3%. Could even actually reach 3%. Some forecasters actually say we're going to finally reach 3%. We haven't done that for, for some time now. Um, Mississippi, we've, we're growing as well. Um, we, we had a pretty weak 2017, but most of the weakness was in the first half to first three quarters of the of the calendar year. Toward the end of the year, we actually saw a pretty good surge in growth, and that that growth – while it moderated probably in the first quarter, it's it's still pretty good. And uh, uh, you look at job growth. In job growth in 2018, uh, we're up for the so far this year, I think 1.3 percent, uh, and that's that's pretty good. It's certainly better than we saw last year. Calendar year 2017, we were up a half a percent. Um, so calendar year. 2018, thus far 1.3%. That's actually a little better than we saw in 16 and actually a little bit better than we saw in 2015. So it's not super strong. It's not as strong as the national. It's not as strong as the surrounding states, uh, but it is a little bit better than what we have seen. And I I think going forward, I think, again, the national economy is growing. Uh, That helps Mississippi. If the nation is growing, then Mississippi tends to grow. We don't do quite as well, though. Our growth is slower. What do uh, economists like yourself, other people in academia who study this issue, uh, what do they know about why Mississippi doesn't grow at the same pace as our surrounding states? We believe that the biggest factor is human capital. And human capital is not just education. A lot of people, when they hear human capital, they just think education. But it's, it's, it is education. It's, it's training. It's everything that a person brings to the workforce. So it includes their health. It includes their family situation. It includes, you know, interpersonal skills and things like this. Uh, and frankly, by most measures, Mississippi tends to do on, be on the low end of human capital. Um, take, for example, the health issue. Uh, we are relatively unhealthy. We lead the, the, the nation. Um, usually we're, we're either the top or the second to the top in terms of obesity. One of the largest costs of obesity it's not increased health care. It's lack of productivity. And so that factors into our economy. So human capital, relatively less in Mississippi than it is at the nation uh, and less in other states. We think that's a big factor. Another issue that if you look at these other states where their growth is taking place, it's primarily in large metro areas. Mississippi does not have a large metro area. We have you know, Jackson, but relative to these other states, that's a, a fairly small metro area. And where growth is taking place is in these, these large metro areas where you can offer a very large, diverse, skilled workforce. Uh, that's attractive to industry, and Mississippi uh, does not have that. And so that's been a factor, I think. Legislators are being called back this week, and it looks like they're reaching an agreement on uh, funding for roads and bridges that could involve things like diverting revenue from sports gaming, from perhaps establishing a state lottery. What do you know about lotteries in places where they've already been established? And I know it's impossible to predict exactly how that works in Mississippi, but what do you know about 
where they've been established and what that has done for those economies? Well, we, we've looked at the, lot, at the potential for a lottery, and we've estimated what we think would be um, the revenues generated. And the government does get more money from a lottery. But where does that money come from? And the money will come from primarily low-income people who are currently spending their money in grocery stores, gas stations, Walmart, wherever it may be. That money will be diverted from those kinds of shopping to the government. So it is, in a sense, a tax on low-income people. And what we've done in looking at that is we found that the potential is that that would actually reduce economic growth, maybe not a lot, but at least somewhat in Mississippi, the more successful the lottery is. So right now, I think the estimate is somewhere in the neighborhood of $80 million. The more successful that is in terms of the, from the government's perspective, so the more revenue we generate, well, that means the more money that is leaking out of the state uh, as a result of, of a lottery. So in terms of the economy, it's, it's not necessarily a good thing, but it does shift money to the government sector. It wouldn't necessarily mean that people are spending more money in 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 ways that uh, that lift other areas of the economy. No, I don't think it will. I think it'll I think it'll de- decrease economic growth. It'll it, maybe not a lot uh, based on our current numbers, but we do think it will be uh, it will be a negative for the overall economy. It'll shave a little bit of growth off potential growth is what it'll do. Now that they're allowed to have uh, sports books at casinos in Mississippi, could that have a possible impact on state coffers? Well, I think it probably benefits the, the state government. I mean, it, it right now, you know, the casinos have, have uh, for the most part, been in a flat to declining trend, more so the river counties than the, than the coast counties. The coast counties, we've seen some positive growth down there. The river counties have been flat to declining most years. Uh, and that's kind of the, the trend as we've seen casinos and other gaming opportunities open up in other states. There's, there's just fewer people are going to come to the state for, for that purpose. Uh, so sports betting probably will give these casinos a little bit of a boost. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be major. I don't think it's going to be a game changer for them, but it will help them, and that will increase revenues to the state sure. government. As we get closer to the regular legislative session and the next budget year, obviously the revenue estimating group will meet, and you're part of that group along with four other state leaders. Is Mississippi in general looking at continued growth, or are we you know, going to catch up with our, with our neighbors in Alabama and Tennessee in time soon? Certainly from the economic standpoint, we're seeing an improved economy this year relative to last year. On the revenue side, we forecast a relatively conservative estimate, uh, and so that means that it's a little easier to ob- obtain. Um, we have some things happening that we weren't anticipating when we made the estimate. For example, the Supreme Court ruling, which means that we can collect more internet tax. So so that's going to be a boost. We also see the economy doing probably a little bit better than what we were thinking. We're seeing increased inflation, and increased inflation helps revenues. Uh, if everybody bought the exact same thing they bought last year, but they paid more for it this year, then the state coffers get more money. So these kind of things lead me to be, uh, I'm not going to say optimistic, but but I feel fairly confident that we will have no problem making our revenue estimate this year. Uh, And obviously the revenue estimating group will meet 
Usually we try to meet after the first quarter, so we've got four quarters worth of data in, and we'll look at that and we'll make a make a recommendation. The first month was good. We had a very outstanding July, but that's one month, so you got to wait and see how things pan out for the rest of the year. Darren Webb is the state economist, and I'm sure we'll be speaking to you as that fiscal year progresses. Dr. Webb, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Coming up, we'll hear from the Secretary of State on the safety of balance and his efforts with the state's future voters. That's after a Southern Remedy Health Minute. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Good morning. I uh, just went and had a, uh, what they call a wellness check, and found out that I have high cholesterol, and they want to put me on a Lipitor 40 milligrams, but I really hate putting any drugs in my body. I read up on Lipitor, and there are some negative side effects of it, even though everybody says the thing to go to. Yeah, you're right. That's a great question. And with our cholesterol guidelines, we got a lot of good evidence now that we didn't have, say, 10 or 15 years ago. There's a risk involved of heart attack and stroke. So LDL is the worst cholesterol you can have. I like to think of it as lousy, L for lousy. HDL uh, is the higher it is, the better. And I think of that as healthy. The non-HDL cholesterol and the HDL are the two biggest things that influence your risk. What we're talking about with risk, heart attack, stroke. So how can we prevent the heart attack or stroke? Not necessarily how can we get your LDL lower and your HDL higher. So the only two medications out there, cholesterol medications, that have been proven to reduce your risk of stroke or heart attack are Lipitor or Atorvastatin, which you described, and Resuvastatin or Crestor is the other one. Those are the two that have been studied the most. So that's why they're going to the Lipitor. Crestor would be the same thing. Now, you're right. They have some side effects. Muscle aches and pains is probably the most common side effect. Liver injury, we really don't see a whole lot unless there's other things going on. And then the other thing is reversible memory loss. Now, that sounds like a lot and to scare somebody away who may not like taking those medications. Interestingly enough, if you have those on one, say Lipitor, and you switch to Crestor, you may not have the same side effect. There are some things you can do with your diet. Check out this website, AHA. That's the American Heart Association. They have everything you want to know about a diet that can help you decrease those cholesterol levels. I'd try that out three to six months. Talk with your physician get something that fits for you, and then reassess whether or not you need them. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi voters will not have to worry about the safety of their ballots. That's according to Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman. This after Facebook announced the social media company has identified and banned hundreds of accounts, groups and pages engaged in misleading political behavior. Officials said Tuesday it had removed 652 accounts linked to Iran and Russia for coordinated, inauthentic behavior that included the sharing of political material. Twitter also revealed it had 
also suspended 284 accounts for coordinated manipulation, many of them apparently originating from Iran. Secretary Hoseman says voters can't look to social media for filters. No foreign entity or anybody else is going to get your ballot. Your ballot is going to count for one, actually account for more than one, because of the fact that we have such low turnouts in this city. Uh, I hope to have more than 50 percent vote for a United States senator. That's pretty important, I think. So I, they're not going to get your ballot. But the other thing, and then I have a great concern about, is that Facebook and social media, it has uh, foreign involvement. Uh, I believe they will try to divide us. I believe they will pick issues that would cause us to be divisive and not inclusive. Uh, and I think that's going on today. I believe that they're there is interference going on. I believe that people will have to look, when we get closer to the election here, at last 30 days, every individual is going to have to have their own filter. They're not going to believe everything on the Internet. Or just because somebody forwarded it to them doesn't make it true. They're going to have to do a, some modicum of effort to speak to a candidate or look at their candidate's material and not believe all that stuff that goes on it. Because some of it, as we know from the indictments, their federal indictments today, are the Russians, and they're under these names that look like us. For example, in one of the indictments, it's uh, T-E-N-N underscore G-O-P. Now, you and I would think that's a Tennessee Republican Party, but it's not. It was the Russians. So I, I just have to encourage everyone to use good common sense here. Uh, there's no filter on that Facebook or whatever else is going out on the emails and whatnot. You have to put your own filter in there. And that filter will determine the long, in the long run, I think, the viability of our electoral process, not the stealing of a ballot. It'll be the influence that they do so that people get so frustrated they don't cast a ballot or they cast a ballot based upon what they believe to be the facts, which are inaccurate and supported by people that are outside this country. In other news, Secretary Hoseman is focusing on the next generation of voters. The Secretary's office is launching this year's Promote the Vote campaign for students from kindergarten all the way to high school. Newly released resources are available for Mississippi teachers to instruct students on the importance of voting. He tells us more. We've been doing Promote the Vote. Actually, Secretary Clark started it years ago, and I've continued it. We go grades K through 12, and we get them to vote for the United States Senate and our House of Representatives. We hope to have, you know, tens of thousands of Mississippi children vote. I feel like if I can get them to start voting and understand the process and discuss the process, they'll be more educated voters in the future, and maybe it'll encourage their own moms and dads to go vote. What kind of materials are you sending out to the teachers to help educate their children? We send out a whole booklet that shows how you research our, our topic this year is we have business to do. And our Secretary of State's website has y'all business on it. And it outlines every county and all the businesses that are in the county and its growth. And it'll tell you a lot of demographic data, but also a lot of social data, like how many people have an iPad. And we get them to look at, the, look at their county and try to write an essay concerning how the businesses can coordinate with education to produce this educated workforce. So it's talking about businesses in Mississippi really collaborating with education. Tell us about the mock election itself. And I'll go to these schools. You'll see they'll actually set up voting booths there. Uh, young men and women will come and cast a ballot. The ballot will have the same, roughly the same ballot that, that you'll get at your polling place. And they'll actually count cast the ballots from mid to late October. Uh, once those are cast, they count them up and they're sent to the Secretary of State's office. And we, we release those usually right at the end of October in an effort, I hope, to get more people out to vote. 
And I will tell you this, Karen, the young men and women have been right every single time. So they are electing the right people or the right initiatives are being passed? Yes. It's very unusual. You would think, well, like this may be just a peripheral thing, but they actually discuss, the teachers will discuss it in class, they discuss it among themselves. In some of these schools, they'll have somebody be Cindy Ann Smith and somebody be Beria and somebody be McDaniel, and, and they'll have a debate, and then they all vote. And it's just like citizenship ought to be. What are the ages that will participate in the mock elections themselves? We start with K and we end with senior year, the whole gamut, everybody. When you start with kindergarten, are the teachers especially involved? Do they read to the kids on the issues? We wrote the history of Mississippi for this last year, so they'll be looking at the history of Mississippi, which is free online to everybody. It's broken down into seven, I think, different regions. It's like 500 pages long. So they've got a, a lot of history they can look at on their community, how they got to where they are in Mississippi. And then they've got the pamphlets that we send out with the artwork as suggestions and what how children could be commissioned to draw a mural on a building in their community to depict what they think of their community. And it's very reflective of their own ideas, and they're really predicting the future here. It's pretty astounding, really, when you see we've got a lot of talent in Mississippi. We understand the educated workforce, and the path to that comes through the ballot box. So we're really encouraged by it. Can teachers and parents and interested parties go to your website to see some of the materials that are being distributed? Yes, they can see what we're distributing to the schools. And then, of course, all of the winners will also be shown on the website. We continue to put some of their artwork up, essays up. Then we have independent individuals uh, judge their artwork and the essays uh, from around Mississippi. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman, thank you as always. Good to talk to you, Karen. Appreciate it. Mississippi's next general election is November 6th. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app, from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio.